Hi and warm welcome everyone to episode number 35 of Sustainability Explored. This is a podcast where we discover and explore different shapes, shades, grades and colors of sustainability in business and economy. Uh, Usually it's a weekly show and I release every new episode every week on Thursday. But today I'm making an exception and giving you a second episode in the same week. Simply because I think the topic is super, extremely important and you all deserve to get the juice of it as soon as possible. So I'm going to tell you right now a bit more about the subject and my distinguished guest. To start with, responding to the challenges of these days, and namely, I mean, self-isolation, working from home, lack of light, lack of movement, and so on. Everyone who's listening right now knows what I'm talking about. We collectively are in a very unique situation together. So keeping all of these new issues in mind, I wondered about the sustainability of home slash work slash office and how to make it a better place, so to say, mentally wise. So I found a specialist with a very interesting title, environmental psychologist, and decided to try my luck. I'll be honest, Lee, that's his name, was extremely responding and super willing to share his knowledge. So we set up our episode recording the same week. And while we were talking, I started to realize that you'll need to know the information he's about to share immediately and start integrating in it in your life. It means the episode you're about to hear, so our interview goes unedited, raw, as it is, um, so to say, Joe Rogan style. So forgive minor occasional flows of recording if you notice some, but I really, really believe that what you're about to hear will definitely improve the quality of your life. Or of your life, yeah. Right. So today we are talking about well-being, mental health, comfort of our homework offices, and not only. And let me introduce my guest now. And uh, yeah, we're good to jump straight into the interview. Lee Chambers is the person I approached with this topic. Um, Lee is an environmental psychologist, well-being consultant, and founder of Essentialize Workplace Wellbeing. So he is a well-being consultant, workshop facilitator, and sleep specialist. Having spent the last 10 years focusing on well-being and performance in the local government, corporate organization, and in allied sports, He has now brought his experience and qualifications with the aim to impact the well-being of thousands of individuals and businesses. Lee has qualifications in performance, nutrition, strengths and conditioning coaching and advanced sleep consultancy. He also delivers multidisciplinary workshops focused on improving performance and productivity through increasing employee well-being. This is an issue very close to his heart, as I learned, uh, as after losing the ability to walk in 2014 due to chronic illness, he has battled back to achieve a positive health outcome. And now he is on the pathway to become medication free. He holds a master's degree in environmental psychology, as I said in the very beginning, with a focus on human interaction with workplaces and natural environments. Lee is also my fellow podcaster. He also presents the health and well-being show on Ribble FM radio and speaks in educational establishments about his varied career paths 
health challenges and having a resilient mindset. Lee is based in uh, Preston, in the north of the UK. He's currently working with business owners and employee teams to create culture change, well-being strategies and champions. He's a father of two, coaches a disability football team, and he's also currently writing his first book named How to Conquer Anything. The book is going to be released this year already. Um, I will, you will find the links to the, in the description of this episode to his company, Essentialize, as well as the exact link where you can download his latest book. And uh, meanwhile, I think you, you just, you have right now enough information to jump in straight into the interview. We have, I promise you, a super insightful and inspired, inspiring interview ahead. So join in, stay with us, and let's sail straight together. Hi, everyone, and hi, Lee. So today my guest is Lee Chambers, who is an environmental psychologist. I thought it would be interesting to talk about um, sustainability of a workplace from the point of view of the well-being, health, and mental health in particular. So I invited Lee to share what he knows about this discipline, what perks and tips and tricks he can share with all of us today with the listeners of Sustainability Explored. So Lee, let's get it started. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. I know you have your own uh, consultant slash coaching called Essentialize. Uh, you will correct me if I'm wrong. And what does it mean to be an environmental psychologist? Share with us your journey. Yeah, so for me, it's always been something that's interested me. And I did international business psychology at university. And that took me through a lot of different disciplines, including comparative politics, organizational psychology, and looking at history, geography, and geopolitics. And so I got quite a wide breadth of subjects. And that helped me because I'm a very much uh, integrated person. I don't like looking at things in isolation without seeing the bigger picture. Um, and I actually decided from that, that my original career path was to be a financial advisor to help people with their own financial well-being. And that kind of really fed my need for statistics and my need to help people. Uh, but that was unfortunately in 2007, during the just before the financial crash. Mm-hmm. And after six months, I lost that career. So then that took me on a completely different career path where I started working to understand physiologically and psychologically what made people work and how that could then be optimized and researched and seen to be a way to promote human health. So that was very much my passion. And unfortunately, in 2014, I lost the ability to walk for illness and on the quest to get back up onto my feet and back walking again, I had an even more in-depth and ingrained passion to understand health outcomes and how the world around us affects those, but also how our behaviours affect the world too. So that led me to decide that I wanted to take environmental psychology and my other qualifications in sleep environments and in human performance nutrition 
and put it together into a package to look where do we spend the majority of our time? Well, we spend roughly 100 hours of our week either in a workplace environment or a sleep environment. So my passion really was to see if we can optimize those environments where we spend two thirds of our lives, then we can improve our own health outcomes and increase our capacity to behave positively towards other people and towards the world at large. Right. I'm going to take a little turn here. Uh, I recently had a call, a one-on-one -on -one call with one of the regular listeners from Ireland. Alan, if you're listening, this question is for you. How long did it take you, Lee, to change the career from you know, from financial advisor to something completely different from finances and stats to um, human science and biology and physiology, anatomy probably, uh, because Alan shared with me his story. He wants to go back into sustainability. That's something, a degree he graduated with, but he exactly during the time of the previous uh, crisis, 2008, he jumped into marketing and we had this career talk um, and I, a very nice and long conversation maybe just right here how long did it take you and a piece of advice you could share with someone being in this state right now because i think with the crisis unrolling economical uh, pandemic and so on that's gonna you know worry a lot of people yeah so it actually took me quite a few years but that was on my own kind of journey to discover where I wanted to go. And in many ways, after a few years of working in different, I worked in local government for a while, looking at efficiency management. And then I actually started helping people get back into work, helping them build the confidence, find direction, communicate well, interview. Um, and that pathway kind of took me towards understanding where I wanted to go. And if there's anyone who's switched careers, but now has that kind of desire and that realization that actually that is the direction they actually want to take with their lives, then it's really about rekindling the connections you've made, looking at what you've qualified in and looking how you can relate that. And really importantly, realizing that what, what you do now will have many, many skills that transfer across to the modern world of the industry you're looking to move into and if you really have that passion and desire to go to that industry now is a perfect time as things have been shaken up as we now have an intense look at things becoming sustainable and more regenerative at large so i would definitely suggest that anyone who's thinking of moving into this direction after this crisis is finished the culture has become incredibly absorbent for this kind of thing there is a lot more inquiries in this kind of direction. So now would be a perfect time to pivot your career back to what you really want to do and get passionate and get intense about what you want to do again. Right. Um, speaking of, of that, like a little bit staying on the career note, I keep seeing from the Ukrainian perspective here on the local job sites, uh, many big corporations, um, bread producing facility for sure they are looking for a well-being so-called well-being manager for their office for their organization and they're not alone so i saw that in the textile industry i saw it in the food industry here locally and 
are we talking about kind some kind of a trend? Is it the same in, in the UK? What is the role of well-being manager and why do we why is it suddenly something we look into? Um, so it's, it's very much come as a transition of understanding how if we're able to sustain the well-being of employees, then they keep up a level of performance that is higher than if their well-being is not sustained. So naturally, well-being comes in a lot of different aspects from sleep to nutrition and movement through to things such as mindset, psychology and workplace environments. And in a lot of ways, many companies are now realizing that the employees, the people that work for them are not just resources, but they actually have to be appreciated, developed, made aware of how they can improve and actually given the chance to speak to someone who's knowledgeable in different areas about how they can keep their physical health and their mental health in a good positive place. Now, the reason why it's become more of a trend is because companies are starting to realize that if you are able to maintain or even promote the well-being of your employees, they become more productive and they perform at a higher level, but they also have less chance of being off sick and less chance of not being able to turn up for work. And they're more likely to be engaged in the work that they do and less likely to have low morale. And because they're more engaged overall, they're more likely to stay, which cuts recruitment costs and also allows you to retain the best talent in your industry. In fact, what it does is if you're shown to look after your employees, when employees meet across the industry, they champion your company as a place that puts its employees' well-being at a high priority. And that kind of spreads. It becomes a good place to work. You attract the best industry talent and they stay with you. And that just been, then becomes consistent as it builds from within. So if you promote people's well-being, they will promote their own well-being. They'll promote the well-being of others. They will speak to people and make sure that the fellow employees are okay. They will collaborate together in teams in a stronger, more connected way. So it, in many ways, it's the hidden key performance indicator. And yet for many years, it's very much been not seen and underutilized. But now it's understood more. It's starting to grow. Right. It sounds like it has a lot more benefits um, that are really not on the surface. It really requires some long-term thinking from the employer to start investing into this kind of um, side department, probably, if not the core department, because this is exactly as you say, it's at the, at the core of the well-being of the organization. Tell us more about your work. What exactly do you do? How would you frame it? Okay, so to kind of give an idea of what I do, I combine being a well-being consultant and an environmental psychologist. So for many environmental psychologists, you don't work solo, you work in an integrated way. So for some, that's with city planners, with house builders, and for others, it's with landscapers. And for others, it, they do a lot of research around environmental behaviours, how to build strategies that encourage that, and people research what influences those behaviours. Uh, so for me, 
my main focus is on workplace environments and sleep environments. So I will go into a company and assess how regenerative their work environment is. So I'll be looking both physically and psychologically. And then a lot of it is around interviewing the users. So many office buildings, this is gradually changing, thankfully, but many office buildings are built with designers, as in architects, designing the building and the internals and a board or management or facilities signing the paperwork and actually putting ideas across. So what happens is you will then end up with a large amount of employees working in a space where they haven't contributed anything to the actual process. So a big part of my job is going and interviewing the employees to find out what they want. So how do they think that that workspace will be congruent with the job that they do? How valuable is it for you to participate in the design process? So you, who's going to spend eight hours in this particular section, has it designed in a way that works for your job? It works for you environmentally. So the lighting is right. There's not too much excess noise. You've got to look at the environmental stresses. You've got to look at the color psychology right for the employees that will be there. Are you getting the sensory quality? Is the ventilation? Are things partitioned in a way that allow people the personal space, but enough and not so sparse that they can't communicate effectively and feel part of a unit? And then it's just looking at things such as how things are positioned, how sound effects and travels, and then looking at more granular things such as the temperature, where stuff is stored. So you, again, if things are designed in a certain way, it can cause environmental stress just through looking at it. And it's kind of looking and seeing saying things are moving more digitally. So that we have to have that kind of consideration and understanding the ambience so there's many kind of factors, but really the biggest thing for me is what do the employees wants and needs? What is the job role that they carry out? And a lot of times it's about almost Im imagining you walking into that building as a visitor. Are you able to identify the floor of where you would go? Mm -hmm. And there's lots of different elements, but it's, it's very interesting. I bring that together as an assessment while also promoting health awareness with the employees and helping leadership and management understand sustainable culture, conscious leadership, how to really have a business with a purpose, how to communicate that down to the staff so they feel in the environment where they're moving forward with goals that everyone has participated in, everyone is congruent with, and therefore they feel like they're on the journey of the company rather than going to work to earn some money to pay for the life. And it's about kind of connecting their journey with the company's journey. And again, that sometimes requires quite a lot of cultural shifting, looking at mindsets, looking at if there's a blame culture. So it's quite a wide variety of roles. And obviously every company has a bespoke need and every individual employee has an environmental bio-individuality, which they need to look at. And in so many ways, an office is designed by people who design offices. They don't work in offices. <laughs> and it's just getting that connection there. 
And as we start to look at not only the input of the employees, but how we can build uh, biophilic elements into buildings, so natural elements that people kind of have a regenerative affinity to. So that obviously includes things such as plants, water, natural materials, but also the shaping of certain areas to make people feel like it's more natural and less urban. And with that comes the elements of sustainability, which you naturally in some ways have to fight for because if it becomes a budget orientated project, sustainability tends to fall down the list of priorities. Always everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> These are the physical components, kind of material components, but where does it start in terms of leadership? Is it the head of the corporation organization that has to come up with this idea or in your practice, for example, it came bottom up where workers reached out to, to you or their, um, to their boss with this you know, idea about integrating more sustainability in the workplace? Yeah, so really it's, it's, a, it's an integral system. So it has to be congruent from the top. So people won't believe that their particip participation is valuable if the leaders don't appreciate the inputs and they feel that. So a lot of the work initially is to get the leadership and management teams to really define the purpose of the organization and how they intend to use their organization for positivity, for society, for their employees, for their investors, for the communities and for the partners. And to get that defined and then communicate that down to the employees by actually taking their opinions on this first. That then kind of creates a, an embedding effect where the, the organization starts to breed this culture from within. So that kind of comes in from the top, but you have to work individually with employee teams from the side to start inputting health awareness and start to get them to not only kind of participate, but to engage and understand that they also have a responsibility for how they live. But in so many ways, if you look to optimize your sleep, if you eat a little bit better, you move a bit more, not necessarily for the workplace, but for your own quality of life, for the time and energy to do the things that you love outside of work, you can promote this in a way that actually makes you a stronger, healthier, happier person. And then I do work as well, not only with onboarding of new staff for recruitment, but I go and speak in education so that the people coming in are also aware they're coming to interview and asking, what's the business's purpose? Do you have a, do you have a conscious effort to change the world are your practices sustainable do you have and it's in so many ways we look at corporate social responsibility but that's an external bolt on like my aim is to breed sustainability from within and well-being from within because that's how things embed that's how things stay measured and i think the biggest thing from a sustainability point of view is if the management of the company the leadership and the company's culture promotes sustainability, that makes the employees naturally also promote it themselves. That's amplified if the company also boosts the well-being of the staff, 
because they have less things naturally that they're worried about, less stress, less anxiety. So they go and act pro-environmentally in their own behavior and spread that throughout their communities. So in many ways, it starts from the top, but it must be input from the sides. And it must also be educated and awareness built from the bottom. And that is how you get lasting change organizationally. Right. Um, many people recently, I, I'd say those luckiest of us uh, who moved from the workplace to home workplace, there is a joke now that um, in the office you work uh, eight hours, but remote office you work 16 hours a day. <laughs> the blurry of, of these borders, time borders. But anyway, those lucky, luckiest of us um, who moved from workplace offices to home office, many found it hard to readjust. Kids are at home, um, the square meters do not allow for too much comfort. Other people in the apartments, you know, neighbors and so on. Couple of, you know, tips for those people. What can you share? How to cozify, I would say, the new workplace? Yeah, so I mean, my tips that I've been giving my clients, and obviously quite a lot of my work has now gone from offices to individuals. Um, but the really important things are to designate a workspace and start to build that as an environment for work. So again, look to incorporate house plants, make sure there's no clutter that'll cause your environmental stress in the background. Uh, no items where possible that shift you into a different state. So you don't want toys or bills or anything that is going to move you from work to living or work to sleep. Uh, we say to get dressed because we have enclosed cognition, which means that when we put stuff on for work, we feel more like we're working. I actually suggest to all clients to walk around the block, leaving home and unlocking your door and going into work. So to simulate a commute, which allows you to shift from one environment to the other and reattach when you re-enter as if you've just entered work. And then there's a the scheduling of your day. So we have all tradium rhythms, which run between 60 and 90 minutes and it's important that we honor those. And for every, every 10 minutes we have on, to have around two minutes off disconnected. So that kind of means that we break our day into bite-sized pieces and focus on tasks for no more than 90 minutes before then taking 15 minutes break and using that to disconnect from work, to go and do something different, whether it be you know stand outside and just appreciate the world, maybe just meditate, for 10 minutes or just pray some breathing or even just read a book that again takes you out of that work frame because that allows you to reattach back to work again and it breaks up the monotony and stops us sitting on a chair for nine hours and losing all that time because can so easily happen and that is what generally tends us to burn out because we actually do need to work in waves switching on working deeply and then switching off again and the benefits of that then go over to the fact that our environments are slightly merged. And now all of a sudden, many people are working, educating, living, relaxing and sleeping all within the same space. So being able to disconnect during your workday helps you disconnect at the end and also disconnect to sleep. 
And the final thing really is to have a really defined schedule in terms of having a lunch break, get outside and get some sunlight in your eyes, the serotonin benefits and just the sensory elements of the wind blowing against you. You tend to miss that. When you're working, some people work really well with some instrumental background music. Test that. For some people, it increases the productivity. For some people, much better with silence. Try not to set your office up in a high traffic area in your house because you'll constantly be disrupted as things are moving through. And in so many ways, it's just looking at, can you partition parts of, or move things around so they become more work orientated? Can you shut doors to signal and communicate to the people that you're with that I now need this undisturbed time to work on this particular thing? And it's just really looking at, again, the temperature, the lighting of where we're working, just making sure it's a comfortable environment, looking at the chair and the desk and how they align. Obviously, the ability to just go out and buy an expensive office chair is not within the realms of everyone. But you don't want to be working in your living room, for example, in a comfy chair, because that's diversifying the environment somewhere where you're relaxing, but then you're trying to work. And these need to be separated as much as possible, because otherwise they start to merge. And that's when you find that you can't switch off, you can't relax, and you feel like you're trapped in the atmosphere, and you become a bit claustrophobic, and that increases anxiety during this challenging time. Right. I, I personally, at least me, I ticked at least three boxes in what you named. Definitely changing my office chair very soon. I kind of, I started to feel uncomfortable. And yeah. I am that person who is spending nine hours in front of the screen. Definitely <laughs> going to introduce some of your uh, advice uh, into my life. Uh, here is a question for you from the more global perspective and uh, a more of a professional question to you. Yeah. What do you think kind of a Pandora box we have opened with self-isolation? I have shared with you in our pre-conversation before the recording that the Ministry of Health of Ukraine recently said, um, and I almost quote, uh, closure of parks and recreational zones in the city was not necessary. It was used as a psychological pressure. What are we opening ourselves to, closing ourselves from natural environments? Yeah, I mean, access to nature, it's, it's so important. And strangely, what, what the current situation has done is it's created an experiment that wouldn't have been allowed to have been activated. So some particular psychologists have found that this is an, an amazing time to get data, to get that qualitative and quantitative data about what happens when people are told they can't access nature. And obviously they, like they are in the Petri dish. Well, this yeah, exactly. And suddenly there's millions of test subjects, whereas normally it would be a very small section who would be happy to be told, sorry, your life is restricted because we love autonomy we love the ability of choice and to be honest we really and many people will start to become incredibly grateful for the power of nature now that it's been restricted but what it does is i mean from an evolutionary perspective we've only spent the last 10,000 years of our 230,000 years in existence as we are physiologically today in urban environments and so we've spent 
you know, 95% of our existence in green, outdoor, external environments. So we naturally have an affinity to it, which is quite strong. I mean, we can see more shades of green than any other color. And while that is, a, you know, biological and evolutionary understandable feature as we had to have the acuity to understand the surroundings it's also partly due to the fact that how we are how our eyes work on light spectrums it falls right in the middle so time in nature it connects us to others and it connects us to the larger world so in many ways when you go and stand next to the massive tree you suddenly realize that you're a very small part of something much much bigger and there's a reason why healing gardens and forest bathing are very popular in certain parts of the world and how ecotherapy is now starting to be used to help people with mild to moderate depression. And for young children who suffer from attention disorders, attention restoration therapy uses nature to help them attach back to having more attention and more understanding of the greater world around them. Uh, so research from Stanford, again, as people walk in greenery, they have increased attention and focus uh, and less negative thinking. So as part of what I do, I try to get companies to look at walking outside. So walking meetings, walking networking, dinnertime walks to help them boost productivity and creativity in the afternoon. And really, the thing about being out in nature is more than the landscapes, even though if you ask a bunch of humans to draw a beautiful picture, 70 to 80% of them will draw a natural landscape. The so it'll be the mountains or the fields or the rivers. And it's quite amazing how we're wired in that way. Um, but by staying close to nature, we get a very full sensory experience. So you're walking in the forest, the breeze is hitting your cheeks, your feet touch the ground and you, you instantly feel grounded. You hear the birds, you smell the flowers and all the greenery and you just walk through the sunlight shines into your eyes and all the colours just kind of array across and you can almost taste the ions in the air when you're in that kind of, and it's a, it's a full sensor experience and it just gives us perspective it also makes us want to protect the environment that's around us. And the more time we spend, the more we appreciate. And by having lost that in the current scenario, people are going to become a lot more appreciative. And when they've looked at colour psychology and realising that green makes people feel balanced, makes them feel growth, makes them, they come up with words like sanctuary and you know, safety and security, because we live in a world now where we don't have those threats. We don't have the tiger crawling behind us waiting to eat us. So we can actually, we tend to switch off and not be switched on. Urban environments don't tend to stimulate us unless we're in danger. But when you go out into nature, you reconnect to something that's missing. And that's why so many young children who live in urban environments, they take them out to farms to see how the animals are reared. They take them out into the forest to show them very basic survival skills and it can it can change the life it's absolutely massive and again it's just simplistic beauty when you're walking in nature and it just reconnects us to 
the world, the world that we should look after, wildlife. And again, that appreciation just makes us feel well inside. And it's that ingrained primitive bond. And it just gives us perspective of living healthier, the motivation to carry on and the energy to keep trying. Beautiful words, Lee. I got it. I literally felt the wind in my face <laughs> and I got inspired to, to go outside for a short walk. I am actually very lucky to, to be living right next to the water. So I see it out of my window and yeah. now I'm going to go. Uh, to wrap up this interview, I think we covered um, most of the things that I wanted to cover and we got into the juice of actually, you know, tips and tricks of how to, to make your workplace, your living place more comfortable and to stay sane. Uh, one last question. What would you suggest us to, to read or watch as a movie? Or maybe you can share some extra tip at the end. Um, I think the biggest thing is, and I quite laugh about this, but it's very difficult to read your way to clarity on this the best thing to do is truly to get outside and enjoy it and to be grateful now so many of us have become restricted crisis breeds innovation crisis breeds creativity and the changing culture i think in so many ways will make you appreciate just how important it is to understand that your environment it affects you even when you don't think it does and to be proactive, look and think that you're not just one person. Because the reason why so many of us have interesting and wide opinions on climate change is because we struggle to connect, yet not that far away from you, no matter where you live, there's someone who's about to lose their land, about to lose their livelihood, the place they're called home due to rising sea levels or due to climate change causing them not to be able to live where they are. And again, every little action compounds. So do your bit, make a difference, be more sustainable, be mindful and enjoy the planet. Thank you so much. Thank you. So everyone outside keeping the safe distance between each other. Thank you very much, Lee, for finding time to talk to me today and to share um, your professional advice. It's been a pleasure, Anna. Thanks. Ciao, ciao. So that's it for today. This is the episode. This was the episode on well-being, health and mindfulness. Um, with Lee Chambers. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something new from my guest today, maybe even from me. If you have any questions, don't hesitate. Let me or him, my guest, know. Please reach out to either of us on LinkedIn. I would also like to invite you to check other related episodes out. For example, Lee mentioned um, about systemic thinking, integration, and looking at things at, 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 as one, uh, not in separation. I invite you to check the episode with Anna Itkin called Sustainable uh, Business Models, where we discussed exactly this, uh, how to practice really system thinking, what is it, and how to integrate the best of it in your life. Uh, another thing about economy and again looking at things 
in one ecosystem. Uh, the episode, the more recent episode called Circular Economy Challenges and Systemic Change with Cleona Havi Del Rio from EIT Climate Kick um, about the economy and how everything will change. Not really related to this episode, but uh, definitely worth checking out. Uh, we spoke today about business, uh, business buildings, design, uh, architecture, how people feel in different environments. I invite you to look at the, go to and listen to the episode on sustain, called Sustainable Buildings with Tom Abbott uh, from the UK. Uh, another thing, we mentioned a little bit careers. Whether it's a good time to change careers, what is out there in in the sustainability sector. Uh, a very good friend of mine, Lincoln Blevins, was one of the first guests on the show, first interviewed guests on the show, and we made an episode called "Every Job Is a Sustainability Job." So that one was a very good one. Um, Lee mentioned working deeply that reminded me of the book called deep work i'm looking at it right now uh, it's available on amazon it's called deep work rules for focused success in a distracted world by Cole newport for some reason uh, kindle version is is more expensive than hardcover but well uh, I guess there is a reason. Anyway, working deeply, I read this book, I really recommend this one uh, to everyone. Main concept, at least what I took away, um, is that we should find times to do uninterrupted, uh, you know, patches, or to dedicate uninterrupted time to our work. Maybe four hours, where no one disturbs you and you're diving deep. Um, it's also like worth checking and definitely worth integrating, trying to integrate in your life. Uh, what else? We spoke about meaningfulness, um, health, giving back uh, to the community, um, healthy lifestyle and so on. Uh, leadership in the organization, leadership um, of the of the top management culture of leadership we discussed this a little bit more in detail in the episode um, called the culture of impact and purpose csr how how to be to give back meaningfully with giovanna jagger um, we really focused on corporate social responsibility and organizations but there were some thoughts um, that I think are very relevant to the episode we just recorded with Lee. Um, finally, finally, if you like the podcast, please consider subscribing, sharing, leaving us a review and some rating, so some stars on the platform you're listening on. If you are on iTunes, you can rate there. If you are on any other platform, unfortunately, I, I don't think I will see the comments and uh, reviews on each and every one of them. So I invite you to check our Podchaser page um, and leave a comment there. I reply each and every one personally. As I always say, the podcast is for its listeners, so by taking your time 
to leave a short review, you help more listeners, more audience to discover it. I know that people are listening to this um, podcast from more than 80 countries. And um, by the way, the first episode of Sustainability Explored was released on May 30, 2019, so exactly last year. And in a week, I'm celebrating the first birthday of this wonderful project. Uh, so I'm working on a bonus episode that I'm gonna release next um, Saturday, I guess it's Saturday. So if you have any specific question, anything you'd like me to cover, um, anything you'd like to communicate to me, so I say it out loud inside of the episode, don't hesitate to hit me up on LinkedIn, connect, reach out, send me your question or comment under a post that I created for this specific reason. Uh, it can be, you know, the subject can be anything, sustainability, podcasting, uh, career question, I don't know, anything that bugs you. I'd be happy to answer all of them. Finally, thank you for listening, for being with us today for this uh, very special bonus episode on well-being and sustainability of life, really. Um, And until next time, next Thursday, yeah, uh, to help you not to miss our Thursday's updates, I will just humbly remind you once again, subscribe to this podcast. Take care, stay tuned, stay healthy and stay sustainable. Ciao, ciao.